you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a part take Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option and dad is not a noun, not at all. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ishmael from Dad Is Not A Noun. I hope everyone's doing well. I'm here chilling in Pennsylvania. I have a special guest. This brother is a dope brother. He is so dope that I'm going to let him introduce himself because I see him as a renaissance man. And the conversation we're going to have about is value. And what I mean by value is understanding your worth as a creator. So I'm going to let this brother introduce himself. Go ahead, brother. Let the people know who you are. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Marlon McKinney. I'm from San Francisco, California. And I'm basically a designer, creative director, animator, illustrator. And I started my own publishing company called Conscious Culture Publishing. Dope, dope, man. So before we get into the deep conversation, right. tell me a little bit about yourself personally. Okay, cool. So um, if anybody, uh, all the people out there, I'm a creative. I was born a creative. I grew up in San Francisco. I was one of the kids that was always drawing when I was in school uh, throughout my life. Later on, I ended up going to art school. Uh, after graduating art school, I learned digital art. So if you can imagine, I was first, you know, sketching in the back of the class and drawing superheroes. And then I went from that to designing websites, uh, doing animation, working for a lot of uh, big brand companies. Um, I can sit up here and name drop, but I'm not. Uh, a lot of advertising agencies, um, video game companies, the biggest ones on the planet. Um, and now after a while, after doing that, I started thinking to myself, how can I really kind of get back to my community? I've done so much for all these corporate, you know, companies are making billions of dollars. And what am I doing for my community? And so that's when I came up with putting out um, diverse multicultural, excuse me, children's books through my own imprint, which is called Conscious Culture Publishing. And just one thing to keep in mind, excuse me, the thing about this particular, these particular illustrations, they're all done using 3D technology. So instead of just just drawings and paintings, this is all done using uh, state of the art software that you would see, you know, Pixar, Disney, and they're all people of color, specifically ancient African history uh, type of stories. And that's dope, bro, because I'm a big believer of affirmation and representation. Mm -hmm. I think that's important especially as a, a development as a child, seeing yourself in cartoons and video yeah. games and action figures. So going back to your childhood, right? Who was your first black action figure? Do you remember? 
This is, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can remember. And, and the funny thing about this is, and this, this is going to age myself, but it's also super dope. My first action figure that was a person of color was actually a Muhammad Ali little action figure. And uh, man, I, I love that thing. It came with the boxing gloves. Matter of fact, when he lost, I think, to Spinks, I mean, I, I was just a little kid. I was crying, you know, just crying my eyes out. But definitely Muhammad Ali. And the funny thing is, at the time, there was a show called The Six Million Dollar Man. I don't know if anybody I remember that, yeah. from back in the day. Um, so that was like the only type of stuff would be out there. So I had a Six Million Dollar Man um, action figure. But at the time, um, Enter the Dragon came out with Bruce Lee. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I, I took my mom's nail polish and put these red streaks across his face so he would look what? like Bruce Lee when he got cut from that dude in Enter the Dragon. Was like, yeah. he turned into my Bruce Lee doll. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's For real. Man, because my father's memory was, um, you're probably my age, or I might be a little bit older. Was those um, sports action figures that couldn't mm -hmm. move? Like you had the oh. Jordan, mm -hmm. you had like Magic, and they were on like this little stick. Yeah, that was like my, that was like one of my. I wouldn't say my first, but that was one of my memorable. Like I would consider them like action figures. But my right. first actual actual action figure was. Uh, Junkyard dog, because remember, oh, remember rubber, rubber wrestling? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> Junkyard dog, WWF back in the day. I was checking him out. He, yes. Yeah, he had the chain around his neck, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And he was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, that was my first action figure, and that mean a lot. That meant a lot to me to see someone like myself. Mm -hmm. You know. And that meant a lot, but also, what what if uh, what was your first black comic book or uh, a comic book with, which had a black character in it? Um, that's that's funny. It would probably, if I'm thinking about it, it would probably be the X Men and Storm. Mm -hmm. You know that that was that was probably the biggest one that I re remember. Of course, uh, what Iron Fist is that? Yeah. Iron Fist. Yeah. Iron Fist as well, but I wasn't. He was. He was on DC, wasn't he? Um, uh, no, I think he was. I think he was Marvel. Yeah, at the time, I. I mean, I was more of an X Men fan because just the whole thought of mutants. It kind of reminded me, you know, what I'm saying like I'm people right. of color, like people yeah. with special powers, but the larger community is kind of going against them because they have these special powers and it felt, I don't know, a lot like the African-American experience. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would get real, you know, a lot of like civil rights type of issues would come up. So that's why I, I did like uh, X-Men and probably Rogue. She was dope, you know, controlling the weather. I always thought that was real cool. Um, but yeah, I think so. That's, that's probably my, what about you? Me, uh, when it came to my first uh black character yeah i have to go back to because i'm old um 1984 the secret mm -hmm. wars I don't oh know yes that. yes a lot of people don't know like the original iron man in that comic book was black mm. um because um what happened was uh, uh tony stark had a drinking problem <laughs> sounds like real life <laughs> 
<laughs> and so um I'm, I'm probably gonna get his name wrong but I, I i think his name hold on let me yeah, yeah it's, it's uh but he took over iron man mm-hmm. and that was like the first time you saw like a, a black character because he took off mm-hmm. his helmet right and had a conversation with um fantastic four mm-hmm. and said you were you shocked that i wasn't tony stark and um i think it was mr rogers uh, uh rogers uh c rogers yep. like no and played it off like it was nothing you know you're a hero so you're you know so that that i would say that was the first one i don't i don't know what happened to that comic book but that was like the the first one that kind of shows my age right there yeah no right i'm not gonna go on a uh <laughs> tangent but i thought that that's probably something they'll eventually do in film because that was a crazy powerful story it was one of 12 right it's like yeah. 12 issue yeah, and that's, it came with action figures yes yeah yeah that was that was it was a crazy series the secret wars and it's only a matter of time i think they're gonna probably have to dust off the vaults and pull that back out because it was crazy though the yeah, way they that did. was the first time they introduced the symbiote of spider-man that was the first mm-hmm. yeah spider-man was in yes that exact spawn because that's when yeah he ended up finding it in that other uh world or whatever yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah but um if you had a chance to rewrite a black historical black avengers who would be your four original members oh that's funny so <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you gave me some time to actually think about this because you know? I, I needed i needed a hot second because i had to really really think about it but i came up with with five and well of course i had to put in two so just to let people know out out there i have two of the, my books uh the genius of egypt and i just came out with a recent one called makita the queen of sheba so of course i gotta put those two in there um, because I've always already written stories about them and already understand kind of like their thinking and how powerful they could be. So the Queen of Sheba, Imhotep, um, or the other two. So I was thinking Pam Greer. Okay. Okay. You know wow. I mean? yeah. Afro pulling out the strap. Okay. <laughs> out. I can see that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can see that. And then I thought of uh, maybe like a, instead of like Professor X style, more like Malcolm X style because he's such a like a thinker you know what i mean so he'd be up there thinking prophecy trying to figure it all out um and then the last but not least um i'd probably pull uh, someone like shaka zulu you know what i mean traditional african south african you know what i mean bare chest out there just (laughs) 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 yeah i like that i like that balance because that's just the one thing is that when you create a, a a group of her, her, her heroic figures yeah. you have to have a balance they all have to have their own unique traits but when you put them together that's they just badass together right right and and the funny thing is i also was thinking i was like catching myself because at first it was like one female and then four dudes and i was like you know what you know what i'm saying i need to mix the energy up because if even when you do have a team you need it to be mixed up you can't have it too predominantly anything because you're not right. going to the full um, capabilities of that team if it's not diverse, you know what I'm saying, with different, you know, ages and sexes and all that stuff. Facts, man. For me, historically, yeah, I would start with Marcus Garvey. Oh! Because Marcus Garvey is a badass. Yeah, man. 
The second would be Harriet Tubman. Yeah. Um, because you know, if you study her history, if you study her historically, she played a critical role in the um civil war. She played mm-hmm. like she was like a spy and kind of helped the North win. So I would say Harriet Tubman. Yep. Um the third person I would have to say um I would need like a a scientist. So I would have to say, um, uh, my God, uh, man, this is tough. So many people that you want to put on that list. Right. At the same time, you want to, um, you want to, you want to balance it, you know, mm-hmm. um, trying to think, um, oh my God. Ah, it's killing me. Um, it's all good. We can come back to it if you need some time. Figure it out. Yeah, I'm gonna need some time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need some time towards the end of the show. I'll give my list. So, <laughs> with all that, with all that affirmation and, and, and representation, I want to go to the word value. As a content creator, what does value mean to you? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, specifically for me, my what I perceive is value may be different than what corporate America perceives as value. So obviously when we're talking about value for corporate America, we're talking about money, right? That's the only thing that moves the needle. It doesn't matter if the content is destroying children. It doesn't matter if the content is blasphemy, just in terms of lies or anything. If it makes money, corporate America will put their They'll put their capital behind it, you know, to to make more capital. Right. Um, But me, I mean, the most value I feel is when I put my content out there and people hit me up, whether it's a mother or a father saying, hey, this book is changing my child's life. And I have gotten those emails and I've had people hit me up on Instagram. This one woman was like, my son is like 10 years old, but he hates to read. He hates to read, but he can't put down that Genius of Egypt book because it's just making him feel more empowered. Um, and that's that's my whole thing. I, I want to make sure that Afro Black kids out there know a good sense of their history and also understand that they can do whatever whatever they want. What, whatever they want to do out there, they can do it. And this is not just specifically entertainment, you know, when I'm just saying things that they can do. They can become anything you know what i mean you know you hear the cliche doctors lawyers and all that stuff but no i'm 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 even talking about head of film studios and you talk about sports like forget being the sport guy be the agent because the agent's going to be around when the sport guy's leg breaks and he's going to be making you know making money for till he's an old man so don't just think beyond these this narrow um way of thinking in terms of what people of color can do just in terms of their careers. You, there's just there's so much opportunity out there. And I just want to be clear that they kids can do anything that they would put their mind to. And, and you're doing that, brother, because when you build it, they'll come. And I want to congratulate you on your successful campaign on Makita. Um, can you kind of talk about that? Because when, when I heard about that project we're doing, I was thinking about, I don't know if you remember that song by Les Nubian. Is oh yeah, yep. a lot um, of people saying from, that as well. um, from France with mm-hmm. Makita Day. Yeah, yeah. So good I thought thing. about that. They, they badass. Yeah, badass. yeah. Badass. yeah. But can you kind of talk about 
the the process of um creating this amazing character this this real character that a lot of people don't know and put it in a way where it's entertaining but it's informal informative too Absolutely. So after I finished my last book, which was Uptown Dragon, which takes place in Brooklyn, I wanted to create a character that was a strong female lead. And so I was just doing some research, you know, going on the web, going in the library. And the Queen of Sheba kind of popped out at me because there was this woman that was respected across the board, totally respected during a time when mostly men were kings were ruling stuff. And it was all about her. So then I, I did a little bit more research and all the research that came up, they always included her with uh, the King Solomon um, from the Bible. So just, just to roll the tape back just a little bit. Um, if you do a Google search, you'll see Makita is in the Bible. She's mentioned also in the Quran. She's mentioned like throughout the world is this legendary figure, right? Um, but every time they talk about it, it's always in conjunction with um, falling in love with King Solomon, right? And I was like, yeah, that's cool or whatever, but how did she become queen in the first place? You know, right. like that's the real story, you know? Like how did she from a kid have to, you know, pull up her bootstraps and when people are like thinking she's just some woman that can't do anything, how can she earn the respect of an entire kingdom as well as her soldiers and all of her men? So I was like, now that's the story right there. So for a while, I did some research and all of 2020, um, it was pretty bad for everyone out there, right? Uh, right? Because of COVID. But this was very cathartic for me and it helped me kind of process what's going on. So I was just literally working on the story um, all of 2020 um, like crazy because I couldn't go out, couldn't do anything. And it was a lot I was going through. So I wanted the story to feel emotional. Uh, um, and also not be just some easy, simple story where, you know, you start from point A and you, you get to point B or C and it's just one step. That's not how life works, right? right. Um, I, life is full of ups and downs, turns, lefts and rights. So I wanted to add that to that story um, as, as well as have a strong female hero for young girls out there. That, that was my main mission in put it, putting together that story. Then also talk about the illustration and from illustration to animation and how you kind of on point of making a depiction of, 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 of black people. Cause you know, in history, yeah. you know, the, the black face and the, the negative right. stereotype images back in the days. So can you kind of talk about your, your, that process of create like the illustration of black characters into the animation work and try to get it to make it, a realist a realistical feature yeah features then the stuff that you know the colonizers yeah put there and put in our face yeah yeah exactly and, and with that being said even in the book i wanted to create even different shades of black people because we're not all just the same color we're all different colors within people of color right and i want to make sure that it felt this felt like a story that was from Africa. These are African people because it takes place in Ethiopia. So if we just want to get, you know, really real about it, it takes place in Ethiopia. And I also leverage a lot of um, like the, the look and feel of past emperors like Haile Selassie, um, bring in those red, gold and green colors on the flag as well. Um, 
and even just the, the features, making sure just in terms of their noses and their mouths and everything that it felt um, very African. But at the same time, then this is one thing that Hollywood usually gets wrong. But, you know, people like we're talking about um, uh, coming, coming to America um, gets right is showing African royalty. You know what I'm saying? Showing African excellence. For so many years, they've been just trying to uh, push down our throat that Africa is this place with just deserts and people are broke and got no money and trying to disassociate us from being African. Um, but no, we have a huge, great legacy um, that kids really need to learn about. And that's also what I really wanted to do when putting together just like black excellence, black royalty, just gold and just dripped in cash and loot and power. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's really? that's the vibe that I'm just trying to trying to come with. So you kids reading that and just like, yeah, and just just feeling that uh that energy of coming from royalty. And going to royalty, going back to the value question, right? Yeah. As a, a business entrepreneur who has his own publishing company. Yeah. What's the difference between inclusion and diversity when it comes to everything that we're, we're talking about? Well, well, I'll, I'll just say from my perspective. So let's start with diversity. Right. Diversity is just basically saying including all the different cultures and different people all over the world. Right. You know, you got. African people, you've got Asian people, you've got Polynesian, Persian, you know what I'm saying, Latino, Indian, you've got all these different types of people and cultures and history all over the world. And now with the internet, we're even all even more connected, right? Um, so the, the thought of inclusion is just for so long, we've only been seeing one narrative of European, one little slice, small slice of what's going on in the world. And because you know, through a lot of <laughs> history, historical things of people dying and <laughs> robbed and, you know, like a lot of treachery and stuff like that. Um, we're only seeing that particular story. And so my thought is diversity is just all the different cultures, peoples, religions and everything. And then inclusion is like, yo, you y'all you need to start telling the complete story. You know what I'm saying? You're just telling one little slice of it, not the whole story. I hope that made sense. No, definitely. To me, you as an entrepreneur, I, I see the importance of inclusion more because inclusion, to me, inclusion is asking someone to dance. You know, diversity is inviting someone to the party. Inclusion yeah. is asking someone to dance. Right. As a, 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 a owner of a publishing company, you can just create your own stuff. Yeah. You don't have to go to anybody to create or beg or plead major companies can you make this make this you could say you know what fuck that i can make my own shit exactly put it out to the masses and i think that's the a big dynamic of the difference between inclusion and diversity because mm -hmm. with inclusion you can create your own market value on what you create mm -hmm. diversity to me is like your value is based on the marketplace you understand what i'm saying yeah. And so that inclusion matter is important because like we were talking about earlier, um, you know, coming to America, the, the second one sold to Amazon for what? $160 million, right? Yeah. I told a lot of people, 
they got lowball and they're like what are you talking about then you have this uh netflix who bought knife this film knife knives out two and three for 420 million dollars yeah. so basically it's 200 and million 200 million dollars per film coming to america 160 million mm. when it aired when it aired on amazon it broke records on amazon it brought more subscribers to amazon even though they had a huge subscriber whatever but it brought more it was i think one of the most popular films on oh, amazon it probably still is right so you telling me coming to america film was valued at 160 million dollars and you see what they did so this goes back to again the inclusion part is that not all money or good money if you don't understand your value in the in the marketplace and so if you're selling yourself if you're selling your your pro your your your, your creation to amazon and netflix you're going by what they perceive is going to sell well they don't understand the black community exactly so they're all about diversity they're all about let's just put a a, a black person that that's recognized here just to bring more you know people to our our our, our, our platform so mm-hmm. you kind of touch on that because i think in this world that we live in we kind of get confused between the two if you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. And the key to this is actually to buy black. You know what I mean? All the black folks out there, when we harness our money and put it in black companies, that's when we ultimately have the power right there. You know, so the Makita, the Queen of Sheba, uh, I did a crowdfunding campaign um, for, in my opinion, it's actually not that much money. It's 10 grand. Um, and we met it and it was my first time even doing a crowdfund. And that's because we have black folks out there saying, I want this for my kids. You know, that's, that's the important piece to it. So when people of color put their money, just like other communities, right. Um, just like if you've got Chinese or Japanese or Mexican communities, any of these other, and it's just culture. It's, it's, it's not even, I'd even say it's goes past race. It's more about the culture um, African-American, African culture. And when you're down with that culture and you want to listen to these this music and these the hip hop tracks and dress like this, you need to take your money and put it into the community that's creating that so that the whole community can thrive instead of just a few people here and there. I hope that was, I hope that No, answered. no, 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 that was, that was, that's what I wanted to hear because I think what happens is it goes back to that key question, who has the power? Yeah, the person who builds the kingdom, or is it the person that owns the land? Yeah, unfortunately, what happened is a lot of of those um, platforms that owns the land has the power. Oh yeah, if you think about, they don't have the power because they don't create shit. Mm -hmm. They have the platform, but where did you have you ever heard a story that Netflix made a film? It's usually outsourced, right? Yeah, outsourced. Right, even the funding, but it's it's outsourced. Right, just to have stuff on their platform. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 important 
to for us to start owning the, our own platforms. I mean, that uh, just way where logically goes. For example, when I did uh, create Conscious Culture Publishing, this is my platform. I can create any type of book I want to. I don't have to create a green light from any person out there. If I see something that's going to go well in the black community, I can put it out, no strings attached. And I believe that all African diverse, all entrepreneurs need to also have that freedom, that leverage, because even once you do get to a certain point where you're bringing in all these, you know, hundreds of thousands up to millions and bringing in that type of money. Since you own the platform, all these other bigger companies can do is just partner with you. You know, they can't own your content. You know, you can throw them a couple dollars to help them so that they can help you. But you ultimately have control. And that's what it's all about, that freedom. And that's the key thing to like, like what you said is that when they want to talk to you, they're going to talk to you. Yeah. They're not going to talk to your boss. And you can say no. They say, oh, we want to do this. Do you want to do that? No. And, th and then you're the one um, sh showing the, um, the direction of where you want to go instead of, you know, always trying to ask somebody to, you know, get get some of what they have instead of you having it. And then actually they end up wanting some of what you have. But, you know, it's, it's a choice and you have that choice instead of not having a choice at all. And at the end of the day, it's about when you know your value, you have a choice. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the one uh, situation our people fall into is that they feel like they don't have a choice. Yeah. It's like when they create something, they feel like oh, I, my only options are Amazon and Netflix. Those are my only two. And what unfortunately happens is you have a lot of good content that's on there that kind of get lost. Like, um, I don't know if you saw this film on Netflix. It came out two years ago called See You Tomorrow. It Who? was a, it Who's was a, um, it, it's called See You Tomorrow. Um, it's a film um, about time traveling, but um, it's the, 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 the premise was on police brutality, right? Yeah. And so you had these two kids that, because it kind of took um, similarities to Back to the Future a little bit. Even Michael J. Fox was in the had a role in it. Oh, really? Uh, but it was just messing with time travel. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you can alter time travel, but at the end of the day, the same results is going to happen all over again. Or mm -hmm. it's going to be a different person, but the same events is going to occur again. Right. But yeah, that was to me. I thought that was a good movie. Um, I didn't get a lot of buzz. Netflix yeah. didn't really promote it a lot. But right. I felt like if this movie came out in the same and came out around the time of the George Floyd, I think mm -hmm. it would have been everywhere. So it just depends on when the film is released in certain times. But again, that's some film that I thought was a great film that should have got more love than it, but it didn't. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's what we're talking about is control, right? Yeah. So there, they're going to sit up there, look at this film and say, where are the marketing dollars going? You know what yeah. I mean? Are we going to promote here, 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 there? And you know the type of movies that they're probably going to promote. And it's not going to be that type of movie. Um, so, yeah, it's, it just comes back to what we were saying before, uh, having control of your own destiny, you know? Um, and then you can actually put money towards that and make it a success, right? If you right. think of this also, because I think of uh, 
I mean, all of this is publishing, but movies, music, books, you all kind of think of it like that. I know you've thought back to a lot of really good albums that you've had and got like zero promotion and zero buzz. And you're thinking like, if they had promoted this thing, it would have like, it would have blew up. That That is the, that's the African-American experience right there. And unfortunately, that's the reality. Yeah. And then um, my final question, as a family man, you know, as a man that, you know, is a renaissance man, you have your hands on so many things. Um, what what does um, legacy mean to you? I mean, it goes back to what I was basically saying, saying before. If I can change um, some kid's life, then that's what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to some kids in a library. They pull out this book, see these beautiful illustrations of people that they've never been experienced for in, in school, and it makes them get another. And then they start to think about, hey, I am a descendant of kings and queens and pharaohs and philosophers and scientists. I can do anything that I want. Um, that's what I that's what I like my legacy to be right there. And that's what it's all about right there. For me. <laughs> no, I love it, man. And going back to my Black Avengers, all right? Yeah, yeah. My third Here we go. would be Ronald McNair. Ronald the, McNair? The man who lost his life in the Space Challenger in 1986. Oh, uh, wow. If you study his story, he's a bad motherfucker. Mm. He, was, he was a bad... Um, instrument player who had a black he had black he had a black belt <laughs> in karate and just a, a intelligent brother just intelligent you know right. um at a young age he changed the course of history um i don't know if you know his story um he went to get a library book out and the teacher wouldn't let him hmm. the, the the library the librarian wouldn't let him yeah and the little man's like, oh, I'm not gonna. Leave. He's basically he wouldn't leave, and they called his. Uh, they called the cops. Yeah. The mom came. The cops like, I'm not arresting this kid. He just won a book. And then later, many many years later, that same library mm -hmm. had his name on that. At the library. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! So I would say Ronald McNair, and then um, the fourth one. I would have to say uh, uh, the fourth one. I would have to say uh, to be continued for another show. <laughs> that <was hard. laughs> so that, that's my three, and I'm sticking to it. Right, uh, Marlon. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank I you, appreciate man. you, man. Thank you. What's your last, where can people find you? Yo, you want to check out any of these really exciting books, um, go to consciousculturepublishing.com. Uh, and I mean, it's not just for kids. If you are artists out there and you like comic books and graphic novels, feel free to come pick it up. Um, you can also hit me up at my website, uh, marlin.work, super easy. Hit me up on IG, Marlon McKinney on IG. Um, especially for any of you artists out there, if you're trying to 
figure out like how can you get paid for being creative because I had to go through the same thing when I was a kid. Feel free to hit me an email or whatever if you need some some pointers on how to break into the industry so that you can pay your rent because I know it's a real thing. Um, feel free to hit me up. All right. That's right. Hit them up, but don't hit them up for no money. Two dollars. Two dollars. Don't 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 send your your, your cash app name to the brother. Uh, no. The only thing you're gonna get is knowledge, but you ain't gonna get no money. Hey, but hey, with knowledge, you can get all kinds of money. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Facts. With the right knowledge, yes. That's you can right. get That's a limited right. amount of money. That's right, and it's all about knowledge. Again, thank you, and we're out. Peace. Peace. All for you, yeah, yo. There would never it matters, and even more when you feel like it doesn't. Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't. No, I'm right alongside you. He but that I am behind you, but always got you. End the discussion. Nothing means more. First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for. Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours. And know that I ain't see a better view yet. I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret. Know that you covered. Not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change what a partake. Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway. My job is to aware you. Fully loaded, prepare you. For all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still in all, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun. Not at all. My message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out, if it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.